Hello. The story I'm going to read to you this week is called The Tale of Despero. Chapter 1. The Rat. Come a little closer. Get comfortable. You know what I mean. Settle in, take off your coat, have a seat. You're about to hear a story, and it begins like this. Once upon a time, there was a brave little mouse who loved honour and justice and always told the truth. It was the sunniest of days. Light streamed through white, fluffy clouds and danced on the sea below, bouncing off the water in a million tiny sparkles. It was a quiet sort of day, the kind of day when all that could be heard was the lulling rush of waves and the cries of seagulls swooping down and skimming the water's surface. Then an enormous ship came crashing through the waves. Its tall mast reached for the sun and its large white sails snapped in the breeze. The wooden deck creaked as the bow sliced through the water. On board, the ship was full of activity. Everywhere were the common sights of sailing life. Winches, cannons, peg legs and tattoos. Thick arms pulled hard on even thicker ropes. Sailors grunted and shouted. But if you looked very closely, you'd see something most unexpected. Amid the action, a small rodent lay fast asleep. Strangely, it was not lurking in some dark nook. Instead, it was basking in the bright sunlight, curled upon deck in plain sight. As the massive ship settled in after tacking, the creature awoke. It got up, stretched and yawned, raised its pointed snout towards the sun, letting the light wash over it, and took a brief, deep breath of salty air. Then it looked around, as if searching for someone. The crew was just beginning to relax. Men grabbed a seat on barrels or huge coils of rope. Some lit their pipes. One played the penny whistle, and its tune wafted out over the deck while the waves rocked the boat rhythmically. The creature ran across the deck towards the sailors, and it boldly approached a man who sat whittling a small figure. Even more shocking, the brazen little rodent was soon settled comfortably upon the man's shoulder. "'Tell me that thing again,' it said into the sailor's ear. "'Please.' The sailor, whose name was Pietro, smiled warmly at the all-too-familiar request. Oh, come on, Roscuro. Ah, you might be thinking, Roscuro must be the brave little mouse. Well, no, that's not him. That's a rat. And anyone who knows anything knows there's a big difference between a mouse and a rat. First of all, rats hate the light. They spend their lives in darkness. They're also terrified of people, which is why they slink and cower all the time. And as far, as far as telling the truth is concerned, well, that's impossible. Because as everyone knows, a rat can't talk. And yet, just once, I promise, Roscuro said, leaning forward, tell me one more time and I won't ask you ever again, I swear. Pietro sighed. Fine. We're headed to Dor, one of the most magical places in the whole world. No, that's not what you said before, said Roscuro, shaking his head. You know, every place has something special. That is what I said. No, it's not, Roscuro insisted. Remember what you said. It was so great. Roscuro stood up straight as if making a pronouncement. Every place we go has something special about it. And in Dor, it's the soup. See, you know it, said Pietro. Yeah, but not like you do. Come on, 
Not just any soup, Roscura continued dramatically. Amazing soup. Incredible soup. In fact, after you taste one spoonful, you'll never want to have any soup again for the rest of your life. So what do you need me for? Pietro asked, amused. Roscuro sighed in frustration. He was just about to protest Pietro's infuriating stubbornness when a joyful court voice called out, Land ho! The boat creaked and turned. The sailors jumped to attention and hurried about the deck. At once, Roscuro jumped off Pietro's shoulder and raced up the nearest rope. He leapt from spar to spar, scurried across the sails and nimbly crossed one of the lines, working his way up the mast all the way to the crow's nest. In an instant, Roscuro had reached the top, where one of the ship's flags flew. He put a small paw to his forehead and scanned the horizon. His eyes lit up. I can see it, Roscuro called down. Pietro, the only one who could hear Roscuro's voice, glanced up at his tiny friend. The seafaring rat had seen many places in his life, but the place Roscuro saw at this moment thrilled him like no other. His heart leapt at the sight of it, and whose wouldn't? The kingdom of Dor was like a little jewel glistening against the sea. The castle, and everything around it, seemed to radiate light. Shimmering towers rose majestically to the sky. Their golden spires glowed warmly like a king's crown. At the base of white cliffs, a small harbour twinkled in the sunlight, and ships bobbed happily at anchor. Dor looked as if it had been sprinkled liberally with giant shakers of stardust. To a rat who loved light, Dor was a magical place indeed. But there was something else, something amazing. Roscuro sniffed, and sniffed again. Something incredible. Oh, I can smell it, I can smell it, Roscuro cried, inhaling more deeply. Something that would change the rat's life forever. Chapter 2. Royal Soup Day what the rat smelled was soup, of course. Yes, soup. Now, this was not your everyday soup smell. The aroma of this soup was so magical, so heavenly, so out of this world intoxicating that the moment the ship docked, the smell lifted Roscuro up by his whiskered nose and led him off the gangplank and straight into the kingdom of Dor. The street was a line of endless soup shops, the Iron Kettle, Benjamin's Broth House, the Steaming Stew Pot, the Magic Ladle... Roscuro couldn't decide where to begin. What's more, Dorian men, women and children streamed down the street carrying huge bowls and spoons. Oh, I can't wait to taste this soup, Roscuro told Pietro. He was perched upon Pietro's shoulder and peering eagerly into the shop windows. But to the rat's confusion, the soup shops were all closing early. Why? Why today of all days? Roscuro wondered, devastated. Just stay close, warned Pietro. We leave at six. You know, we ought to think about staying here a little longer, Roscuro suggested. Don't even think about it. Remember Shanghai? Pietro reminded him. Yeah, but this place is different. I mean, this is special. This place is... The rat struggled for the right word. It's... It's... Well, you know, it's... Strange? Well, maybe a little, but it certainly smelled good to Roscuro. On any given day, just a whiff from one of the soup shops was almost like having a full meal. But on one very special day, every year, the kingdom of Dor was transformed. As if by fate, Roscuro and Pietro had happened to visit Dor on that very day. Although they didn't know it yet. Not yet. All they knew, at that moment, was that they wanted soup. 
So when another shop flipped an open sign to closed and hurried in the same direction as the others, Pietro and Roscuro followed close behind. Indoor, Christmas was nothing compared to Royal Soup Day. In the town square, Pietro and Roscuro joined the hundreds of villagers who gathered in anxious anticipation of their favourite holiday. Roscuro was delighted by what he saw. Towers of bowls and spoons teetered upon tables. A soup kettle band performed classic soup songs. Old men played the spoons and two groups of red-faced folks shouted at each other. Bisk! yelled one side. Chowder! yelled the other. Bisk! Chowder! On Royal Soup Day, every Dorian, young and old, flocked towards the castle because they knew that at this very moment, deep within the royal kitchens, a masterpiece was being created. The royal kitchen staff could hear the crowd outside their window growing louder and more restless, but there was no time to peek at that spectacle, not while they were so behind on this year's soup, and definitely not with Chef Andre breathing down their necks. The kitchen was abuzz with activity. Every space was crammed with moving conveyor belts, steaming cauldrons and machines of every kind. Machines that sliced, diced and chopped. Machines that stirred, whipped and whirled. Olive pitters, seed pluckers, eggplant peelers, turnip sorters and even a special flamethrower machine used solely for charring the skins of bell peppers. In the centre of this madness stood Chef Andre, overseeing each and every step. More onions, he ordered, shaking his head in dissatisfaction. How many times do I have to say it? His nervous crew scurried. More onions, more onions, more onions, they repeated. Everyone knew Chef Andre was a genius, but they were reminded of it on a first Sunday of every spring at exactly 12 noon. He would unveil that year's special creation. Until then, the Dorian mob jammed the town square, waiting for the king to make his announcement. And as the aroma began to build, they speculated as to the contents of this year's masterpiece. The suspense was killing them, but in many ways it was also their favourite part. Come on, me lovelies, place your bets, a bookie called to the crowd. Bisque three to one, broth five to one, seafood chowder a long shot at twenty-five to one. This year seemed more tense than ever on account of the scrumptious scent wafting out of the castle and when Roscuro got his first whiff of the aroma, he could think of nothing nothing else. Where, oh where, was the soup? He kept wondering. And so was everyone else. When at last they saw movement on the royal balcony, the king stepped out to a thunderous cheer, and next came the queen, and then the princess. Wow, whispered Roscuro, smitten. Princess P sparkled with light from her shiny golden hair to her sequined dress that twinkled in the sun. The king raised his hands to quiet the crowd. Welcome, friends, friends of soup, he greeted them. Now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Princess P, the envelope, please. As the king took the envelope from his daughter, you could practically hear hundreds of stomachs growling. Everyone smacked their lips with anticipation. It is my pleasure, said the king, to announce this year's raw creation from the kitchen of Chef Andre. Chapter 3. The Chef's Secret In the royal kitchen, all was still. The staff held their breath and crossed their fingers behind their backs. Andre was about to taste this year's royal soup. The chef brought the spoon to his lips. He rolled the broth around in his mouth, and then, with difficulty, 
He swallowed. No, no, no! Andre exploded. Something is wrong. I need more time. But we're late already, said a panicked sous chef. As if on cue, a loud ovation erupted outside. The king was about to open the envelope. This is not right. Everyone out, out, out! Andre ordered, chasing his trembling staff from the kitchen. When he was certain that they were gone, Andre stormed into the back room of the royal kitchen, his own secret laboratory. Whatever went on within those walls was a mystery to all but him. Slamming the door behind him, Andre crossed over to his large work table, which was hidden under a pile of hacked-up vegetables, mixing bowls, and an assortment of kitchen gadgets that only Andre could understand. He glanced behind him at a high shelf in the corner. He sniffed and then paused as if considering something. Now a big part of being a genius is making everyone believe that you are, and sometimes that takes a little help. Andre dragged a small footstool over to the bookshelf and climbed on top of it. He reached up to the highest ledge and from its furthest corner pulled down a decrepit leather book. The book seemed ordinary ordinary enough, but once Andre opened it, a peculiar thing began to happen. A strange spirit rose into the air, a rainbow of herbs, vegetables, pots and pans swirling above the tabletop. The colourful pieces fit together to form a hovering figure made of food and kitchen utensils. There are all kinds of genies. Some are in lamps, some are in bottles. But what else would live inside a cookbook but a soup genie? The genie, whose name was Baldo, grinned at the angry chef below him. You changed something, Andre accused him. You're crazy. I did not touch it, said Baldo. I can smell it, Andre inspected the genie from lettuce hair to tomato cheeks to string bean fingers. Hmm, what is this? What? Baldo asked innocently. This, Andre said, plucking a garlic clove from Baldo's chest. Ouch, cried Baldo. It's garlic. Garlic? Andre repeated. Baldo shrugged. Yeah, there's a little garlic. It was already there. No, said Andre. Yes, said Baldo. No, yes! Not this much, said Andre, and he pulled a string of garlic from Baldo's waist. You have ruined my soup. I saved your soup. These people wait a whole year and you want to give them this dishwater, said Baldo. Dishwater? Dishwater. Dishwater, Andre roared. He yanked a large onion from Baldo's face. Ow, cut it out, Baldo whined. Meanwhile, in the town square, the king opened the envelope. And this year's soup, he read, oblivious to their chaos in the kitchen, is a spring tureen of fresh herbs, roasted vegetables, and wild mushrooms. A huge cheer erupted from the crowd. At last, the soup was ready. But Roscuro could wait no longer. Hypnotised by the soup's aroma, he jumped off Pietro's shoulder and scurried up the castle walls. As the door to Andre's private room, the sous chefs listened as the argument raged on. I don't have to stand here and listen to a big talking garbage can, Andre snarled. Huh, and I don't have to listen to a coward, yelled Baldo. Coward? Yes, a coward. You call me a coward? Yes. Andre ripped another clove of garlic from Baldo. And enraged, the soup genie pulled a tomato from his own ear and threw it at the chef, hitting Andre square in the apron. Splat! Andre picked up a rolling pin and sent it flying across the air at Baldo. 
Baldo grabbed an onion from his chest. Soon, bowls, spoons and pans flew across the room in every direction. Bottles smashed against the walls, and the floor was quickly covered in crushed produce, broken glass and gadgets. Ripped cookbooks lay everywhere. And amid the wreckage, Andre fumed. He picked up the last unbroken object, a bottle of wine, and hurled it with all of his strength at Baldo. The bottle shot like a bullet straight for the genie's head. Baldo ducked. The bottle sailed right past him and landed. Splash! In the cauldron of finished soup. The soup that every Dorian, including the royal family, was demanding at that very minute. Andre and Baldo looked at each other in horror. Uh-oh. The two approached the pot slowly. Oh, no, 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 Andre moaned. This was a problem. A royal disaster. The soup was surely ruined. What was royal soup day without soup? Hesitantly, Andre and Baldo neared the cauldron. They sniffed. They paused. They sniffed again. Not bad, Andre thought, and he put a tentative finger in the soup and tasted it. His eyes widened. Baldo dipped a string bean finger and tried it as well. Mm, pretty good, he thought. Was it possible? Andre and Baldo exchanged the look. They tasted the soup again, and this time they each heartily plunged a whole spoon into the broth and savoured the new taste. Of course, they thought. Wine! Bellissima, said Baldo, embracing Andre. It's a fantastic, said Andre. And in a rare display of affection, Andre kissed Baldo on each cheek, squashing two of his tomatoes. But while Chef Andre and Baldo rejoiced, high up in the castle, a very different scene was unfolding down below. Pietro frantically searched the village streets for his little friend. Roscuro! Roscuro! Pietro called, jostling with pedestrians. Where are you, Roscuro? But it was no use. Roscuro was gone. <laughs>